0: Chapter 20. For God and Gold. This is a LibriVox recording. Our LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. For God and Gold by Julian Stafford Corbett. Chapter 20. By the light of the flaming ship, we had set sail. It was a moving sight to see this precious link, with home a mass of shooting flame, below a pall of lurid fire flecked smoke. A sea of molten gold was her deathbed, and, as we sailed slowly onward before the gentle night wing, the fiery reflection stretched out after us, till it faded to fitful gleams on the crests of the waves as though they bore us farewell kisses from our lost ship a true swan is she to the end said Harry softly as though moved by the scene beautiful she was in life yet nothing in it was so beautiful as her departing from it we watched her burn down lower and lower till she was nothing but a glowing ember on the dark plain of the sea and then in a moment she was gone for ever it was like losing an old friend and there was not one for the next few days who did not feel oppressed with evil foreboding at the loss of that strange craft that had brought such luck to our captain we could not even lighten our hearts with the music, for Frank was very earnest to the as secretly as we could, that the Spaniards might suppose us entirely gone from that caused by reason of the loss of our ship. Thus, attempting nothing that might betray us, we found on the fifth day a most fair heaven in the sound of Darren, where we could anchor the pasha out of all ken of the spaniards and refresh ourselves till such time as the storm we had raised all along the coast should be blown over it was a place as far as port pheasant where a man might have been content to dwell all his days a pretty town we built there as Diego showed us how of boughs and bricks and flowers in a space which we cleared in the dense forest. Here our smith set up his forge, our fletcher his shop for the ordering of our bows and arrows, our butcher his black and our shoemakers their lasts. Bats were erected for bow practice, a lawn made for our bowls and ground prepared for quoits, leaping, wrestling, and all other sports that our captain could devise for making us forget our losses and breed a hopeful spirit for future attempts. Half of us worked while the others played, day and day about. But for me, it was all play, for my work, having skill for it, was to hunt. The lifelong day up in the forest-clad hills for the hogs, conies, deer, and birds that lived half-tame in their solitudes, or racked on those azure seas to lure the strange fish that swarmed about the gilded wrecks with great pelicans and scarlet cranes for comrades at this port. At such times as I lay in some fairy glade above our little town, or half slip in our little gondola, I could hearken to the merry tinkle of the anvil and the jolly laugh of the bellows mingling with the cries and songs of the mariners at their work and play, and listening to the homely sounds, mellowed and transformed by the tropic glory of earth earth and sky and sea i could fancy that the old life was gone with all its care and hideousness being changed by the rich spirit of the west to one long may day in fifteen days our ship and penises with this light labor were refitted, and our captain with two of the penises set sail for rio grande in search of provisions and intelligences, I remained behind with John Drake to search the coast in the other pinnace, in order that, if possible, we might, by Diego's help, meet with the Cimaroons. For six days we rowed up and down the main aloof the shore, but found no trace of those whom we sought. In these days, I saw much of John Drake. Being all day and night in the penis with him, and I came to love his simple, steadfast nature more than I ever had before, and wondered to see how great was his control over the man by the very earnestness of his worship of Frank, whose orders to him were as the command of a god to be carried out at all costs it seemed as though when once he had a direction from his brother all other thoughts were dismissed from his mind any possibility of a different course being good could never find a place in him so day after day we rode hopelessly along that lovely shore in spite of the fearful heat to every suggestion i could make he had but one answer frank told us to row aloof the shore and find the sea maroons, he would say and he knows best Cheerly, men now as like as not we shall find them beyond the point ahead to me the thing seemed hopeless to find a few negroes in that vast wilderness of forest by rowing along the shore appeared little better than a wild goose chase Still, I believed in Frank almost as much as his brother did, and still more was encouraged by Diego, who continued to urge us on as he sat in the forepart, chin in hand, gazing fixedly into the forest. It was on the seventh day, as we were almost worn out with the growing heat of the sand, and all the shore was hushed before the coming fire on the noonday. That Diego suddenly leaped up and, casting both his hands above his head, gave forth a yell so loud and strident as almost to stab your heart. Again, with his hand to his mouth, he shut his fiendish call towards the shore as though to summon a legion of devils to his side what is it diago cried jack see captain see there lie my people asleep i can see up there on the hill i can see a new hut to our eyes all was the same wild waste of foliage but he saw more as we soon knew for finally out of the forest came an answering shout. I knew Jack was right, said Jack triumphantly. He knew where to find him. And away we went to the shore. Sure enough, Frank was right, for as our keel grated on the golden sand, two pelicans rose lazily, from where they had been standing. A bow shed to our right, and wing their solemn flight along the shore. Something we knew must have flushed them, but we could see nothing in the dense breaks. Diego hailed again, and then we saw a black face peep stealthily at us. Poor folk, they dared not come out, for all we had one of their kin with us. They had been too often betrayed to their tormentors by such means before que gente que gente cried the black head over his bent bow as we could plainly see gente de drake cries diego leaping out of the boat and running towards them drake drake so it was they always called our general since his name came hard to their half-spanish tongues and. What a name it was to them we soon saw, for after a strange discordant bubbling between Diego and the Cimaroon, a loud cry went up in the bushes, and out rushed some score of dancing, yelling fiends. Never saw I greater delight or heartier welcome than in these poor folk. For a good space we could do nothing with them for their dancing and leaping round us and embracing of our feet especially captain Jones, to his great discomfort being a plain simple man not used to homage there was no peace for us till diego begged that we should suffer them to bear us to their huts which request our captain granted leaving two men with the penis their joy was then complete and each black fellow stood in front of one of our men bending his back for him to mount which at least we all did seeing how earnest they were and so with no more adieu with the biggest of us than if he had been a baby they trotted off laughing and singing up the steep path that led to their huts we were soon set down in a little hamlet like our own town but much prettier and more artfully constructed because of their greater skill here each vied with another to set before us delicate fruits and fowls and a certain fermented liquor which they had very pleasant to the taste and medicinable To the spirits. So, like kings, we lay in those leafy bowers, feasting merrily, each with a grinning henchman or two, to do his lightest bidding. Indeed, I think, had we permitted, they would have crowned us with flowers, and seen us eat our banquet like that daintily gallant Horatius Flaccus with his born companions by the end of our dinner we were all like brothers with these merry folk after the manner of english mariners though i think half of our company could not understand two words of spanish their chief was soon in close talk with john and me and diego and we broached our business to him It is an easy embassy when both parties desire one thing. Our wish, no less than theirs, was for them to meet the general and arrange our comedy, for the entertainment of the Spaniards. In a very short space, it was agreed that we should leave two of our men with the chief and take two of his to the general. In token of pure good will, and amity between us, and that they should come down to a river which ran into the sea halfway between the heaven where our ships lay and certain headlands towards Nombre de Dios, which we always called Vega Hansas, this river we called the Rio Diego after our faithful Cimarron ally. There was some difficulty in choosing our hostages, since every mariner there wished to stay, preferring to cheery homage and good fare of the Cimarroons, to hard work and poor John in the pinas. At last it was settled by a lot, and we bore away again amidst the like rejoicings that had welcomed us and with a fair wind came the same night to our ship. It seemed to all men a plain work of God for the encouraging of our allies that the very next day our general with two frigates besides the Pinnaces, came sailing into Port Plenty, so he now named our haven. Having seen by this first voyage how well we could supply ourselves from the victuallers that sailed to nombre de dios and cartagena and from the indians about the rio grande as well as from the spanish storehouses thereon if i may judge by this fair beginning said he when he came to speak of it no name was ever better bestowed for besides a great store of provision which we obtained from the river. I have taken five or six frigates and bark, laden with live hogs, hens, maize, and other provision which we require. But I gave away all the prizes, except the two best, to the Spaniards for their plan in supplying us so bountifully. And there are those we kept. He pointed where the two captured frigates lay, and went on to tell me how he had obtained what was dearer to him than Beetles, and that was divers opinions of himself that prevailed amongst the Spaniards. It was always his way while he kindly entertained his prisoners to get them to speak about himself and if their answers were to his mind i think they often get off the more lightly his enemies for even that noble spirit has enemies in these backbiting times set this down to sordid love of flattery but i know it was from no such cause for love of merriment he did it no less than to encourage his men, who joyed to hear the dread the captain begat amongst the Spaniards. No man ever knew better than he how to win the confidence and respect of his men, and this was one way he used to that end, and no man was ever more laughter-loving than he, and no jest did he love so much as to hear how he frightened the spaniards for these reasons and no other he was wont to question his prisoners and i hold it foul slander to say that heroic navigator was pleased with sordid flattery i remember well his first words were of this when the same day that he returned to port plenty I boarded his frigate with Jack. Why, Jasper, says he, taking my hand in his cheery way, you have missed a merry time in chasing simaroons, though God be praised that has so blessed your search. What think you they say of me, man? It is a jest worth more laughter than all the company could furnish in a month. Why men? They say it is a devil. known but a devil or a saint, they swear, With but a handful of men could have quietly entered and held the treasure house of the mightiest emperor under the sand as we did. And since, being a Lutheran dog, I am no saint. I must perforce be a devil and you my lad an imp of Satan by which sharp reasoning says mr. Oxham they save their gentility when they run away unlike Christian gentlemen cried Harry when the fiend peers cry get thee behind me Satan and incontinently turn their backs yet said i it seems to me that they would serve their gentility better by a more courteous appellation of their enemy and so your true castilian does says frank for all the wrong they have done me yet i hold your true castilian a gentleman and a man of honour and no coward Such a one i took off tolu and as we supped together on the good things which for our trouble in chasing him, he had felt bound to bestow on us. He told a different tale and set no horns on my head. No, broke in Harry, it was all your most chastened, precise, five foot in the blade, good manners. By your most high-bred courtesy, says he i now know for truth what gentlemen say of the valiant captain greek whose felicity and valor are so pre-eminent that sir mars the god of war and sir neptune the god of the sea seem to wait on all his attempts which same notwithstanding are eclipsed overshadowed and put out of countenance by the nobility and generosity of this carriage towards the vanquished, whereby defeat is made sweeter than victory. And with such like good report, he continued to discharge his great pieces in the captain's honor all supper time till we were well night deafened with the thunders of his courtesy. It was A very high mass of worship, said Mr. Oxham, till by this light we began to doubt if we were not saints after all. God forbid, says Frank, as you love salvation, be an English devil rather than a Spanish saint. Well, here are our brother devils, cried Harry as the two Cimarroons we had brought were led forward by John Drake. Order yourselves, seniors, to receive the embassy of the Prince of Darkness. So the Negroes came forward and testified of the joy their whole nation had at our captain's coming, because of the renown he had won amongst them by his proceedings at Nombre de Dios. And in his two former voyages, and finally, most respectfully, told him how their chief waited for him at the Rio Diego to see if, haply, it was his pleasure to use them against their common enemies. A council of war was held to consider how far we could trust these people and what course we should take forthwith. Whereat after this usual manner frank listened very attentively to all our advices and then took his own which was forthwith to move our whole force up to the rio diego where john drake and i had discovered an excellent haven amongst the islands that were clustered there i went on before with frank and his penis to show him where we should meet with the Cimarron Chief, which we did very joyfully at the place appointed, the Negro's joy at meeting our captain was so great that it was long before we could get to any quiet speech with them. But at last we went aside with the chief into a leafy bower which served him for a house, and Frank told him how he wished his people to help us get gold and silver from the Spaniards. Gold and silver, said the Negro, a giant in growth and strength, who spoke good Spanish. Do you mean gold and silver? Yes, surely, said Frank. What else could we want? Why, even that which we want, said the Negro. And what is that? Frank asked. Revenge, answered the negro. Revenge for all the wrongs those hell hounds have wreaked on us. Why, so do I, said Frank cheerfully. And therefore, will I take from them what I want most and what they love best, even gold and silver? Ah, but they love something better than that, said the chief eagerly as though clutching at a hope they love life better and we want something more than gold we want blood Spanish blood to dip our arms into the elbow and our legs to the knees he went on with the glare of a wild beast in his eyes help us to get that captain and you shall have all the gold and silver you can want But for us it is not enough. What your wrongs have been, I know not. But ours are such that gold and silver will not avenge them. Have you felt the lash curl round your ribs? Have you seen your comrades tortured to new effort when they dropped to die of sickness and fatigue? Have you seen a little part of what happens every day to my people? you would forget gold and silver and all but blood and never joy but when you saw it bubbling out from the rent your knife had made we were both shocked at the savageness of our new ally and frank told him in his plain blunt way that if they attempted anything together the prisoners must be his as well as the gold though in the fight they might kill as many as they would. The poor savage was sadly disappointed, and would, I think, have hardly agreed to it, if Frank had not fed him with a picture of the havoc or arrows and small shot would make amongst their enemies, and how sorely they grieved over the loss of gold. I know, I know, said the Cimarron sadly and often we take gold from them not from love of it but in the spite of them so be it as you say captain for you we will follow to death against the spaniards whatever be your will yet had i known it was gold you wanted there is plenty we have taken and sunk in the rivers which you might have had but now they are so swollen with the rains that there is no coming at it nor can we take any till the dry season begins for in the rainy months they do not carry any treasure by land because the ways are so evil this was most unhappy news it was nearly five months still before the dry season began to attempt with our penises to capture the gold frigates coming down the Chagres River was madness, seeing that since our enemy we heard they were always guarded by two galleys. To wait five months was to run great risk, not only of being attacked in strength by the Spaniards, but also by sickness, which is a very rife in those regions during this time. Another council was held as soon as our strength joined us. And once more, Frank heard willingly our opinions and followed his own, which was to make a lodgment in a heathen part of the coast. Whence we might employ our leisure as well as gather provisions. We could from time to time sally out to annoy the Spaniards and satisfy ourselves. Our captain farther resolved to establish magazines besides those we already had about Port Plenty, so that if one were discovered, we might have others to supply us. To this end, the Pasha was brought in through the islands with great labor and much dangerous pilotage within a few bow shots of the main, and there moored hard by a reasonable island, in such a place as even if she were discovered, which was well-nigh impassable. So shrouded was she by trees, no enemy could come at her by night, or even by day, without great risk of falling amongst shoals. Our island contained some three acres of good flat ground which our captain next began to fortify setting out after the best manner used in the words a triangular fort made of timber and earth dug from the trench about it harry having as i have said no little skill in these matters was set over this work calverin being quartermaster under him The sergeant therefore was now in great spirits, for I think the ships and still more the penises were as little to his mind as ever. His stiff back and large form could never accommodate itself to the straight quarters and an easy motion to which he was condemned at sea. Now it was a real pleasure to see his gaunt figure Striving once more a-land, directing the Cimaruans, of whom another band had joined us, as nicely as though he were entrenching the Emperor's own camp. Sea wars I will never decry again, said he when I went to give him joy, especially since Captain Drake is of that profession. Yet for dignity, honor, and contemplation, how can they compare to land wars? Truly, the world lost much, sir, when Captain Drake became a sailor. Yet, he is an indifferent good sea captain, sergeant, said I. Yes, sir, too good, greatly too good, said Calverin. Few men, look you, have been born with such soldiership. See now the care he bestows in fortifying his camp after the true manner of Julius Caesar. And yet he has never read a word of the commentaries. It is there he shows it for saving your wisdom. Your true soldiership is not valor. As many think, valiant blades we have in plenty in every land, your great soldier must know what to fear and when to fear and so guard himself to fear valiantly is your philosopher's stone of victory take that on me sir i think we were all of sergeant calverine's opinion except perhaps mr oxenham he was ever a reckless man who could not fear anything and so as all men know was afterwards brought to his evil end on a spanish gallows but the rest of us were glad to see what care our general took that we should pass our five months in safety and above all the Simaroons, who saw in our preparations a sure token that we were resolved to stand by them nor did they leave us without testimony of their satisfaction it was like fairyland to see how a little town built of palmito boughs rose up as if by magic upon our island with fair houses for all our company and afterwards they so labored at our fort that in two weeks the ordnance and artillery were all in position within it and frank was free to depart in search of beetles and intelligence on the seventh of october he bid us farewell amidst a merry burst from our music and bore away for Cartagena, leaving his brother john as governor of the fort over those who were left behind both harry and i remained to assist him in governing the cimmeroons and completing our works had we but no the sorrow that was to come on us here those two penises returned i think our parting would have been less blithe but as it was we feared nothing for our exploit at nombre de dios and all that had followed no less than the constant report we had from the Cimaroons, and our prisoners of the terror we had created had bred in us a sort of reckless courage as well as a laughing contempt for our enemies which made us think that no attempt was too hard on us i cannot wonder at it or blame any for their overwinning confidence seeing what our handful of unknown mariners had done against the mighty power of the king of spain surely never had folly for i hold contempt of a brave enemy no less a better excuse would it had had a lighter punishment it was on these wise that i came about of the cativas islands some five leagues away from our fort was a frigate laden with planks she was a prize frank's penises had taken in the rio grande and left there till she should be wanted but in a storm she was driven hard ashore and now lay disabled out of tenderness for his ordinance and crew frank ordered that our first care should be to fetch away her timbers and planks to make platforms for the former and good hats for the latter. For the rains still continued, the island was a slough of mire wherever we worked, and the bowers which the Cimaroons made us hardly availed to keep up the deluge of rain that fell every day. Therefore, as soon as Frank was gone, we set about our work, John Drake going himself to order the matter in the pinnace called lion i went with him and about half a crew besides it was the second afternoon after frank's departure that we were returning to our fort with a load of planks when we descried a deep laden frigate making for nombre de dios will you not attempt her captain john said one of the men a quartermaster called Alan. "No." I says Jack, though nothing would be more to my mind had we finished the work which our general set us to do. What matter of that? cried Alan. It is but half of our work to make her ours. A pretty prize she will be for us, and I don't see why the rest should have all the sport, and we all the labor. Well, it is just because the general so ordered it, says Jack. That is enough for me and enough for you. Nay, then, said Alan, I know the general never meant us to be forbidden fair booty. What say you, lads? And the men all said he was right, and that they were for attempting the frigate. Then, must you be mad, cried Jack, you know not how the frigate is provided, while you are sure we are covered with planks and have no weapons. We have a rapier, objected Alan, and a biscuit and a caliber, and that is enough for Englishmen against any yellow livered dance. But the rapier is broken the biscuit old and worn, and the caliver all a rest, said Jack. I tell you, you are mad, and I will have no part with your madness. The general's orders are straight, and I would not depart from them were we twice as many and twice as well armed. But the man still murmured, and continued to urge him to it till i wondered to see how he could resist them and love him more than ever for his loyalty to his brother's commands never mind lads, said alan mockingly at last we will go to the fort and wait till the general comes back he knows how to show dance what dirt they are under english feet and he will make us amends when he hears how our voyage was spoiled because our captain was afraid of a craft only three times his size poor jack that was more than he could endure it touched him in his one weak point which ellen knew well enough he was a lion of courage but yet not brave enough to bear calmly any suspicion of cowardice. What? he roared. You dog, dare you use me so? Then, by yea and nay, you shall have your will, and see who is afraid and who is not. Oh, never mark him, Jack, I said, wishing to dissuade him from this wild attempt. Look not round at every cur that barks. Who doubts your courage is an ass? Now, Jasper, hold your peace, cried poor Jack, more furious than ever. Never shall they say, my brother, that their voyage is lost by my cowardice. They shall run their heads into danger, but never shall they say mine was not their first. Give me the rapier, Alan, take you the whisky. And stand by my side in the forepart, if you are a man. Robert shall take the calibre, and Mister Fasting steer. And now, lads, overboard with the planks, or we shall never catch her. In a very short time, the pinnace was clear. Jack was standing in the forepart, with the broken rapier, and his pillow wrapped round his left hand for a warding gauntlet. For there was no buckler in the boat, and Alan stood by his side. We overhauled our chase very quickly and were soon but a few boat lengths from her. I could see she had taken measures to prevent our boarding and was doubtless well prepared. See, Jack, I cried. She has close fights all round her bulwarks. We shall never board. We shall board her or never another said he with set teeth it is too late to turn now Would i take in hand i carry through steady as she goes and stand by board. in another moment we fell aboard of her i saw jack and alan leap up on her close fights then suddenly she was alive with bulging flame there was a roar a cloud of smoke a flash of pikes and in the midst two bodies fell heavily back into the penis shove off for your lives i cried before they grapple for i could see the frigate was swarming with pikes and small chat those in the forepart seized their oars some thrusting away from our enemy's side while others swiped at their faces, of those who were trying to grapple or stay our purpose, with their long pikes and halberds. Among these I saw Jack rise painfully and work with the wheel. Once I saw a pike leveled straight at Alan as he too was shoving off, in spite of an awful wound in his head. I made sure he was gone. But Jack dashed his oar into the pikeman's face and fell backwards, fainting with effort. By good luck, at that moment, we fell free, and a few lasty strokes fetched us clear. With all our force, we rode out of danger of her small chat. But they neither saluted us again, nor made anything of their triumph, believing, as I think, it was best not to tempt us to return. Tell Frank how it was, lad," said Jack, as I laid him down in the stern, all covered with blood, and he opened his eyes. "Nay, lad," said I, "you shall tell him yourself." No, never, Jasper," murmured he. "My time is come, God." has judged me for disobeying Frank's words. He always knew best, but Alan maddened me. Poor fellow, he is sore hurt. See to him, Jasper, He is a brave heart. First, I must see to you, I said, and mend your hurt a bit. This no good, he said, more faintly still. Mine is past manic i feel it what will frank say of me would my death had come any way but this yet they will not call me coward again will they jasper his voice grew weaker and weaker and a deadly pallor overspread his face tell father how it was i disobeyed frank he went on with long spaces between the words he will forgive me he knows it always maddened me to be called coward but what will frank say what will frank say again he urged me to go to the others and see if i could not remedy the evil his disobedience had brought on the company i found alan at death's door cursing himself with his last breath for what he had brought on his valiant captain. Two or three others were hurt, but not grievously, and as soon as I had tended them a little, I went again to Jack's side. I could see death written on his face and gave him some wine to revive him. Tell Frank how I grieved for my folly he said speaking with great difficulty and tell you never to swerve a hair's breath from the coarse frank marks and ask him to forgive me and Jasper say a prayer for me not for superstition, lad, but just for comfort's sake. I had not prayed since that terrible night at the inn. Which now seemed so long ago and so far away, yet I could not refuse, so I knelt down, and all the mariners did likewise, uncovering respectfully. I prayed as well as I could recall it, the prayer I heard on the old preacher's lips at my father's funeral, and repeated the beautiful words of his text. Which I remembered so well. Now, sing a song," said the dying man. "Just, for comforts, shake, for comforts, shake." So on that still and lonely tropic sea, we raised with our rough voices a homely English hymn to the deep diapason of the booming surf sounding outside the islands. As we ended he smiled and I saw his lips moved. I leaned down to hear what he said. Frank will forgive me. The low murmur said when you tell him how it was. He was always good to us. Frank was and always knew best he will understand frank always anders, so his murmur ceased and that brave youth my friend passed peacefully away as the sun went down and within an hour alan's soul followed his captains next day we buried them both on the island thinking much of the high hopes We had of our governor's greatness had he lived, and deeply lamenting the cheerful, steadfast spirit that was gone from amongst us. As for the simple Cimarroons, they were beside themselves with grief and would have performed strange idolatrous ceremonies about his grave had we suffered it, but the sailors would not let them go near save once a day to cover it with fresh flowers this was their only comfort save a sure hope that now his brother was killed frank would be no longer content with gold but would want to wash his elbows in spanish blood end of chapter 20